Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Doing well? All right. Hey, you guys are a little bit better than the first service this morning. It's like, you're doing well and everything. So anyway, good to have you here this morning. My name's Robert, by the way. If I haven't got an opportunity to meet you today, I get the privilege of being the pastor here, and I look forward to sharing with you. It's uh, been, uh, uh, seems like forever since I've been up here uh, and shared with you that we had a great storytellers over the last four weeks and just different people coming and sharing how God's intervened in their life and how God's been working and God's been moving. And I hope that you've been encouraged uh, throughout that series. And I appreciate uh, Lucas coming and sharing with you guys last week. So you guys got to meet him for the very first time. And uh, I'm sure he told you some dad jokes and all that kind of stuff and everything. That's kind of in his repertoire. That's not my deal, so I'll stay in my lane this morning. I don't have any dad jokes or anything of that nature. We'll just kind of keep it as it is, all right? But I do want to tell you this morning, it's good to be back with you today, and uh, thank you guys for praying for us as we were away on vacation. And uh, vacation's always good when you get to sit and do nothing and get to eat a lot and uh, hang out with family. So that's what we did, and man, it was an incredible time, but I'm really excited to be back with you today. Uh, I do want to talk to our guys or men just for a second this morning before I uh, begin to preach and, and share with you what God's laid on my heart this morning. Um, we have a great opportunity for you to get connected to be a part in helping planning our men's ministry that's going to be transpiring and taking place in 2024. We have a great calendar plan, but we need to incorporate you to help us pull it off. And uh, if you would like to be a part of that, then I want to invite you. I want to personally invite you to come to October 23rd. It's a Monday night. It's a week from uh, this Monday. At 6 o'clock here at the church, we're going to have some food, right? We can't gather as guys unless we're going to eat and all that kind of stuff. So we'll take care of dinner for you that night. But we're just kind of share with you the calendar and how you can be a part, how you can plug in and help us continue to minister. And, uh, man, God's been doing some great things. We have a golf group that meets uh, on Fridays, every other Friday. I think our last one's this coming Friday. And so if uh, you like to play, we got a couple, few more spots available for that. You can let me know, and I can get you plugged in. But this is Pick Your own team week like normally we just kind of pick randomly who's on teams and all that kind of stuff and and whoever's usually on my team is the team that wins and so like if you know I'm just kidding I think I've only won one time like you're gonna lose if you're on my team so anyway but um, we uh, if you'd like to be a part of that it's a great opportunity to get connected meet some people and God's been doing some really neat stuff in that today all right also listen I just want to remind our church to be praying for what's happening in the Middle East and all the things that are taking place and transpiring and this is what I want you to remember. God's got a big picture. God's got a plan. And even though that sometimes it seems like that he's not working or that he's distant and far away and disconnected, he is very present right now in the middle of that. So we need to be praying for all the people, pray for Israel and all the things that are happening and going on and taking place. And uh, we're going to be looking at some ways to where that we can help and participate and might be able to send some resources and things to people that are in need and so on and so forth. So you can stay tuned uh, for that as well. All right, we're going to be in a few places uh, in the scriptures this morning, so you just got to kind of hang on and take place, but we're kicking off a brand new series called The Dash. Everybody say The Dash. Now, this is what I know. Like, if you go to any tombstone, right, when you look at it, it's usually got a name, and sometimes it has an epitaph written on it, like they've got a little statement, a little saying, uh, something that was near and dear to their hearts, and then you see a beginning date with is a date of birth, right? This is when they were born. This is the year they were born. And then you have an ending date to where that they deceased and breathed their last breath. But in the middle of that is what? The dash. 
And you know what the dash, dash consists of? Your life. And really what's important, and the question that we want to ask this morning, that we want to kind of look at over the next several weeks, is like there's a very important thing that you have to answer, a very important question that you have to answer during the dash. Because right now, if you're here and you're living and breathing, guess what? You're during the dash. You're still, you're still in the, you're still living. You still have an opportunity to glorify God. But it's really important that we answer this question like, what do we do with Jesus during the dash? Like, what are, what are we doing in our walk with him? What are we doing to honor him? What are we doing to glorify him? Do we know him? Do we have a relationship? Like, that question is huge during the dash. And you only get to answer that question during the dash because there comes a time to where that every single one of us will breathe their last breath. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. And so we want to talk about what happens when the dash is over. What happens when our time is up, right? When we breathe our last breath, what happens? Well, this is what I believe the Bible teaches, and I believe it's very clear on that, that there, are, there is eternity that awaits. And there are two destinations, right? There's heaven and there's hell. One we love to talk about. One we love to celebrate. And one we love to look forward to. And one, when we talk about it, like we kind of cringe a little bit. It's not very popular to talk about, especially in our culture, in our day, in our age. But our Bible is very clear. And I believe that the Bible is God's word. I believe it's absolute truth. And I believe that we can stand upon its truth. I believe we can stand upon God's word. But the scripture teaches that when you breathe your last breath, you're going to spend eternity in one or two places. You're going to spend eternity in heaven, or you're going to spend eternity in hell. Now, where you spend eternity determines how you answer that question during the dash. But today we're going to come from a standpoint and we're going to look at those destinations, okay, and over the next several weeks. And so today we're going to talk about heaven. Everybody say amen. amen. Right? If you're here for the first time, you can go, whoo, all right, good. We're going to talk about heaven. We're going to talk about what we love to talk about. And listen, here's the deal. It's like, when we talk about heaven, like when we talk about it being a permanent resident, like one of the things that I know and one of the things that I'm well aware of, it's like if you're going to look at a place to live, right, you normally go check it out, right? You want to check it out. You want to find out what it's about. We go look at it online. We go see all the pictures and we want to see what amenities and all those different types of things and where the location is and all that kind of stuff. We want to know all we can about that place. And right, here's what I want to do is I just want to kind of dive in and according to scripture, just look at some things to where that we can talk about heaven, that you have a good understanding of what heaven is, what heaven is about, what heaven is like. And so for the next several weeks, we're going to talk about that. I'm going to have to break this up because there's so much content concerning this and I don't want to sell you short. So we'll do a little bit today and then uh, we'll do a little bit next week and then we'll jump to the other destination after that. Is that cool? Say amen. amen. Now don't, don't, don't not come Let's see if I can talk today. All right. Don't make plans to do something else on the 29th because we're going to talk about hell, okay? All right, you be here because it's important that we have a good understanding, a biblical understanding of what the scripture teaches, all right? I don't want you to think, well, I think this or I heard this or I thought this or I heard so-and-so say and the guy at work, you know, he's smart about everything and he said this and like all this stuff. Let's go to what God's word has to say concerning these things, okay? And, and let's look and see. Now, as we're talking about this again, uh, there was a Sunday school teacher who was pouring into her class and man she was just really just pouring the gospel into them wanting them to know how important it was to have a relationship with Jesus wanting to know how important it was to to know him personally and 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 to be in God's word and so on and so forth and also talking about like you know the only way that we can be with him is to have a relationship and she's just really been sharing and pouring this into her students and 
So she's going to kind of quiz them a little bit on what they've been teaching and what they've been learning about. And so she gives them some scenarios. She gives them some situations and she wants them to respond and answer. And she says, so let me ask you, class, like if I sell everything that I have, everything that I own, and I take that money and I give it to the church, like would that be enough? Like would I go to heaven because of that? And the class yells out, no, right? And she says, well, what if, you know, like I, I, I take care of my neighbor? And what if I, 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 you know, make sure that their yard is always cut and manicured? I make sure that the landscape is, landscaping is well kept and I just help out and I just do all these things for them. Like at the end of the day, would that get me into heaven? And of course the class responds, no. And she's like, well, what if I, you know, just volunteer at every organization that I could possibly or, uh, volunteer at? And I give all of my time and I use my gifts and I use my resources, right, to serve and to do all these things. Will that be enough for me to go to heaven? And the class yells, no. And so she asks, well, what do I have to do to go to heaven? And a little boy in the back yells, you got to be dead. So anyway, <laughs> that's partially true, right? If Jesus doesn't come back, right, then we're all going to have to experience death. Right? Death's a hard thing to talk about. Death is a hard thing to think about. How many of you love to think about dying? Anybody love to think about dying? Like, we don't, it's hard for us to comprehend. And like, you know, as I get older, I, I think about those moments from time to time and thinking about, you know, uh, entering into that space of eternity and so on and so forth. And, and, and so death's a hard thing to realize. But the truth of the matter is, is that if Jesus doesn't return, we're all going to experience death at some point in time. We don't know when that is. We don't know what hour that may take place. But again, that's why it's so important to answer the question correctly during the dash. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, um, Adam, I just happen to be the first word. Would you mind to go get me a water? Thank you, sir. All right, I appreciate that. He's like, I'm never sitting on the front again. <coughs> But I want to give you some statistics concerning death. Now, one's not on the screen, but here's one that I always love to share. And this has been true. This is held true. One out of every one person dies. Okay? All right? That's my statistic. All right? So anyway. But here, like per year, there's 56 million per year deaths per year. Per day, think about these deaths that transpire. 153,424.7 per hour. Thank you, sir. 6,392.7. There's 106.6 per minute, and there's 1.8 per second. Think about that, right? Death is a reality. It's going to come to us all, all right? But death is the gateway for eternity. Death is, is something that has to transpire, that something has to take place before we spend eternity. And where we spend eternity is determined upon who we say that Jesus is in our life. Some people say that he's a good teacher and he had good morals. And man, there's a lot of good things that you can learn from the scriptures, right? People were even talking about that in Jesus' day. They were asking the question, who is Jesus? Matter of fact, Jesus asked his disciples, he says, like, who do people say that I am? And they said, some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're a great prophet. Some say that you're a great teacher. But then Jesus got real personal with them. 
them. He says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And it's important that we have that understanding of who Jesus is, that he really truly is God's son, that he was God in the flesh, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life, that ultimately he willingly laid down his life on the cross, shed his blood, literally died, buried, resurrected, ascended into heaven. One day he's coming back. That's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he is who he says that he is. And I believe that with my whole heart. And so I know that the Bible speaks that death is a reality, but because I'm in Christ, I don't have to fear death. I don't have to be afraid of death. I'm not saying that, man, I hope today's my last day. I hope that when I get through, right, you know, I don't have to worry about anything anymore. I'm not saying that, right? I want to enjoy this as I can. But what eternity has and what eternity waits, this doesn't compare. And we want to talk about heaven. Now, as we talk about heaven, here's one of the things that I want you to know about. If you guys are still with me, say, I am. Now, in the scripture, the word heaven is used 532 times. So it's prominent all throughout scripture. It's important. Like it's emphasized. It's mentioned 532 times. It's mentioned 502 times in different verses. Now, the Hebrew word is usually translated Shemayan, and it's a plural noun for literally means the heights. Okay? And then the Greek word is Uranus, which is where we get the word Uranus from, like the planet Uranus. Uranus, it refers to which is raised up or lofty. And both are used in various places of Scripture to refer to different places, okay? This is what I want you to see. When you're reading Scripture, it'll refer to three different heavens, okay? Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians, uh, verse 12. He refers to being called up into the third heaven. So I just want to clarify what the Scripture is talking about, okay? And I want you to have a good understanding of this, all right? So when it talks about the first heaven, here's what the first heaven is. The first of heaven is the atmospheric heaven. This is the sky, right? It's referring to the sky. It's like where the clouds are. You go outside today and you look up and, man, you see some of the blue skies. You see some of the clouds kind of moving in and all that kind of stuff. This is the atmospheric heaven. This is what it's talking about in the word that's used in Genesis chapter 7, verses 11 and 12. It says, The windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And so the word, of, uh, the word heaven refers there as the blanket of atmosphere around the world. So in Psalm 147 verse 8 says that God covers the heavens with clouds. And so that's talking about the first heaven. It's talking about the sky, all right? The second heaven is referring to space. It's the planetary heaven. It's where the stars and moon and the planets and, and the sun. This is the scripture uses the same word for heaven here to describe this region. For example, in Genesis 1. God said, let there be light in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and season and for days and years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. And then it said, God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also and God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on earth earth. That's verses 14 through 17 there as we find in Genesis. Now, so the second heaven deals with space, right? The sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxy, all those things. And then what Paul's referring to, the third heaven, is like the heavenly city. He's talking about the heavenly realm where 
God dwells, and even though that God is everywhere, but his throne reigns and rules, and there were the angels and the saints who have passed on. This is the heaven that Paul is talking about, and this heaven, right, is eternal. The other two will pass away, but this heaven is eternal. It is everlasting. Second Peter verse 3, I mean chapter 3 verse 10 talks about this. And so I tell you all this because we're going to look and see here in just a moment in another passage of scripture, but what I want you to know that is that heaven is brings hope to you and I when we talk about heaven man it means hope and again I've talked to you and I've talked to you about this as a church over the years when the Bible talks about hope right it deals with a certainty it's something that you can depend upon it's something that you can stand upon we use the word hope a little bit different right we say well I hope it doesn't rain today like it could or it may not like we really don't know but when the Bible describes hope it deals with a certainty a reality a truth that we can hold on to so heaven is hope And our hope, this is what I want you to understand, is twofold. It's in a person and in a place. Our hope is in a person and in a place. And what do I mean by that? Our hope is founded and rooted and grounded first and foremost in Jesus. Knowing him, having a relationship with him, repenting of our sins, making him the Lord of our life, right? When we belong to him, our hope is in him. It's unshakable. It's unchanging, right? We can be grounded no matter what's happening and going on in our life. We can know that there is a God who rules and reigns and is in control and has absolute authority, right? Our hope is found in Jesus. When I hurt, I can lean on him. When I hurt, he comforts me. When I don't know if I can go on, he gives me a peace that passes all understanding, right? He is our hope. He is our redeemer. He is our Lord. And so our hope is in a person, but it's also in a place. Because there's a promise that God has given those who belong to him that are part of the family of God, that there is a real tangible place called heaven. It's not a figment of our imagination. It's not just a fairy tale that's been passed down so that we can feel good here on planet Earth to go through difficult times. Heaven is a real place, and our hope is in a person and in a place. That's why Jesus said, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here, because a few weeks ago, uh, I'm sure you remember everything that I said during that time, but we, we spent some time here in this particular passage of Scripture in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. And listen, I want you to hear what Jesus says about heaven. He says, listen, in my Father's house are many mansions. In other words, there's many dwelling places. And here's the other thing I want you to think about heaven. When Jesus begins to describe it, it's an intimate place. What does he say? In my what? Father's house, right? A father has relationship, right? Think about it like you, when you go to your parents' house, like when you, when you had an opportunity to go to your parents' house, right? You always think about Thanksgiving's coming up and all those different types of things. Some of you like, man, listen, I left a long time ago and I've never went back, all right? And I get it. I understand it. But like maybe you had a great relationship with your parents or whatever was home. Maybe it was your grandparents, right? But you love going back to their house. There's just something about going to your parents' house. Like when I go to my mom's house, man, there's biscuits and gravy and, and there's uh, pinto beans and cornbread. Somebody say amen. Come on. Let's get some fried potatoes and all that kind of stuff. Like it was always 
always there. Like, that's what my mom does. For I think back to my mamaw's house. Like, but there's like an intimate setting and there's family and there's friends. They're all gathered around. And this is what Jesus is saying. In my father's house, right? Here's what I want you to know. There's many mansions. In other words, there's many dwelling places. There's room enough for everybody. Everybody is invited. Everybody has an opportunity to be a part of this heavenly place. He said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. And then he goes on to say, I go to prepare a what? A place for you. So here's what, listen, our hope is in a person, but it's also in a place, right? Heaven is a real, legitimate place. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, right? When Jesus ascended after his resurrection, he went to heaven. He says that where I am, there you may also be. And so our hope is in a person and in a place. Well, a lot of times people ask, well, if heaven is a real place, well, where is it located? Does the scripture talk about like its location or anything? Well, if you begin to do like diving into God's word and you begin to kind of look at that and you begin to, you know, again, trying to, to see that, right? You can find a couple of places to where some people say like it's located here in this atmosphere, in this direction or so on and so forth. And I'll look at those in just a second. But when the reason that we talk about that again is like when you're when you're thinking about residing in a place, right? You always want to know the location, right? Isn't that what they tell you? Like the location, location, location matters. So some people over the years have said like, where is heaven located? Does the Bible speak of this? Does it say anything? Well, listen, we're not, in my opinion, we're not told in the scripture where heaven is. There's some people who have tried to say like it's in this particular portion. And I will look at these verses over here. But I'm not really sure that that is exactly where it is. But listen to what uh, Psalm 48 verse 2 says. The joy of the whole earth is on the sides of the north. And another passage of scripture in Isaiah chapter 14, right? That's a passage where it really describes the fall of Satan, Lucifer, of how he had pride in his heart and how he wanted to be God and how he wanted to usurp God and his authority. But this is part of that passage of scripture. And it's talking about him saying to himself, for you said to yourself... I will ascend to heaven and I will set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. And so here's what I want you to know concerning that. If you've ever thought about that, right? Those are generally the passages of scripture that people go to and say that like it's located in the north. But the Bible doesn't give us latitude and longitude and all that kind of thing. But we do know one thing concerning the scriptures of where it says that heaven is, is that heaven is up. It's up. Now, I know what you're thinking today. Great. I came to church to learn that today, right? Like, I get it, Robert. Like, heaven, heaven is up. But no, listen to what I'm saying right here. Look at all the scriptures right here, okay? Look at what it states. Look at what it says, right? Uh, there's, in Mark chapter 6, verse 41, Jesus received, this is where he received the boys' lunch. This is where he gathered the fishes and the loaves, and he was going to feed the multitudes. And before he did that, he looked up to heaven, and the scripture says that he blessed and broke the loaves, and he gave them to his disciples. Where did he look up to? He looked up to heaven. There's more, right? John 17, verse 1, right? When Jesus begins to pray, he lifted up his eyes to heaven, and he said, Father, right? At the very end of his earthly ministry, Jesus led his disciples to the Mount of Olive, and the Bible says that he lifted his hands and he blessed them. And it said, now it came to pass when he blessed them that he was, that he was parted from them and carried up 
into heaven. That's Luke chapter 24, verses 50 through 51. In the book of Acts, right at the very beginning, right? The book of Acts begins with the same event telling us that he was taken up on a cloud and received him out of their sight. And we know this too because later on in that passage of scripture around verse 11, the disciples were standing there and they were gazing. And where were they gazing? They were looking where? They were looking up. Go ahead and say it with me real loud on the count of three. One, two, three. Up. He was looking up, right? They were gazing up. And two angels appeared beside them and gave them a powerful promise that still reigns true today. They said, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And so we know that heaven is up. No matter where you are, and I get it, and I know some of you uh, are, are science gurus, and it's like, well, like if you're in China, up may be different than where you're, like depending on where you're on the earth, all that stuff, like up is up, okay, no matter where you are, up is up, and, and, and so like some people would say north is always north, north is always up, no matter where you are, but let's, what about, what does it look like, what, is, what does heaven look like? What, like again, like if, if you're looking online and you're looking at a place to stay, like you're going to see what amenities it has and all those different types of things. And does it have a garage? And what does the backyard look like? And, you know, what does it have wood floors? Does it have carpet? And, or has it got laminate? And now the whole new thing is like, does it got the vinyl stuff that's waterproof and all this kind of stuff? Does it have shiplap around the fireplace? I don't know, right? But I, we all watch a lot of HDTV and all that kind of stuff. And so we look at those different types of things. And so what does the Bible have to say? concerning heaven. Again, it's a real, literal place. Well, if you got your Bibles this morning, you can turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. And we're just going to, we're going to read, we're going to look and see what God's word has to say. Like there's just something powerful, like even in just reading God's word, like if you ever experienced, like when you just read God's word, you're just like, wow, holy cow. Let me just read that again. Like, did, like, did you really just say that? Like, wow, how incredible. Right? There's moments and times like where you just dive into Scripture and you're like, man, that is just so awesome. And I get it. There's probably some passages that we read. It's like, I don't really know what to do with that. I don't know, understand that. But this is pretty clear, right? When we think about heaven, we think about it being a real, literal place. We think about it being our hope. And again, where we spend eternity is determined by what we do with Jesus during our dash, our life, right? This current moment, this current time. But listen to what John says as he's penning revelation and he's caught up in this moment and God is revealing these things to him that were to come. And he gets a glimpse of what heaven is like. And again, the Bible says, listen, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has it even entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for us. So even though that we get a glimpse, I just know it's going to be way better than what I can ever imagine in my own heart, in my own life with what I'm able to read. Now listen to what this says right here. This is when God makes all things right. Everything's transpired that's supposed to be transpired. He said, then I saw a new heaven and new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. Also, the sea was gone. Somebody might say, aw. But anyway. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for a husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. That's good enough right there. Amen. And God himself will be with them. Listen to what it says. He will wipe 
every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more, what? Death. There will be no more sorrow or crying or pain. And I love what it says after this. All these things are gone forever. Man, isn't that good? Be no more hurt. Be no more pain. Be no more, more suffering. Be no, there'll be no more sorrow. All those things, there'll be no more. Those things will be gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. When we talk about heaven, like it's going to be brand new. Think about that. Like, have you ever had something brand new before? Like, have you ever got a brand new car? I really don't know what that feels like. No, I can't say that. Actually, my truck had four miles on it when I bought it. So I, I, there you go. All right. Lucky me. But anyway, it doesn't look brand new now. I'll tell you that. I, was three, I bought it three years ago. But uh, it, you can find a whole Happy Meal in there right now, I'm sure. <laughs> if you got kids, you know what I mean. So. But it's like when you get something brand new, man, it's just like, wow, that's awesome. It's like today I got on some brand new kicks, right? I got some brand new shoes on. So if I shake your hand kind of like this, because I don't want you to step on them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's like, you know, you get, that, you get that new smell and everything. It's just like, man, it's just something about something new. Think about that. Like, all things are going to be new. God makes all things new. He said, look, I am making everything new. And he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Again, God's word is trustworthy and true. He also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's right, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But then he goes on to say, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, come with me, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And so he took me into a spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem. Descending out of heaven from God, it shone with glory of God and sparkled like precious stone, like jasper, as clear as crystal. And the city wall was broad and high with 12 gates guarded by 12 angels. And the name of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were the written names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And the angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates and its walls. And when he measured it, he found it was a square, as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. And then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick, according to the human standard by the angel there. And the wall was made of jasper. Think about this. Listen, the walls were made of jasper. And the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. And the wall of the city was built on foundation stones, inlaid with 12 precious stones. And it goes on to say the first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amnith. 
The, the twelve gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl. And the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. Think about that just for a second. What a beautiful, beautiful sight to see. Now, I don't know if you guys remember, right? This may date my age, but how many of you remember Yo! MTV Cribs? <laughs> Anybody? All right. Anybody? Can you raise your hand? It's all right. Go ahead. I know you watched it. Don't act like you didn't watch it, okay? I know you watched it, right? We, we wanted, like, and that was just like where they would take you behind the scenes and celebrities would kind of show off their, their homes. And, man, they would have all these elegant things and certain things would be made of, like, precious stones. But I'm going to tell you something, man. It doesn't hold a candle to what heaven is like. To what God has prepared for us. A real place. A real hope. Something to look forward to. And here's one of the things that I want you to see. And here's one of the things that I want you to understand as it talks about this right here. And he says in verse 22, I saw no temple in the city for the Lord God and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon for the glory of God illuminates the city and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no night there. And the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing will ever be allowed to enter nor anyone who practices idolatry, dishonesty, but those whose names, listen to this right here, okay? Here's who will be there. Those whose names are written in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life. So in other words, if you're going to be in heaven, you've got to have a reservation. You've got to have a reservation. Well, how do you make reservations? Well, you make sure first and foremost that you have a relationship with Jesus. That's how you make a reservation. When you surrender, when you determine that he is Lord, that he is God, that he's the king of kings, that he's the redeemer, that he's the savior of your soul, he's the one who can forgive your sins. When you repent of your sins and you call out to him, he forgives you, he saves you, and immediately your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It's a big deal. It's important. So the question is, is is your name written down? Right. If you ask most people like, hey, when you die. Would you go to heaven? And do you know what most people respond with? They say, I hope so. Different hope, though, right? I may or may not. I hope so. Well, why do you hope so? Well, hopefully I've done enough. Hopefully I've been good enough. Hopefully, I I made a difference enough. And here's the truth. Here's the harsh reality of that. No matter how much we do, this is what the Scripture teaches, it'll never be enough. It's only by the grace of God. It's only through Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It always will be Jesus. It forever will be Jesus. He is more than enough. You see, when I breathe my last breath, I'm confident. I know without a doubt. I know without a doubt that when I breathe my last breath, I'm going to open my eyes in the presence of the Lord. The scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. Why can you say that, Robert? How could you say that? Because you're a pastor, right? Does that make you sweat? No, it has nothing to do with me being a pastor. Let me just be honest with you. There's going to be a lot of quote-unquote pastors who split hell wide open. It doesn't matter 
what title you hold or what your occupation is or what your career path was, right? It has nothing to do with that. It's like, who are you in Christ? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? And I know confidently I can say that with a, with a matter of fact attitude and spirit about it, not in a harsh or arrogant way, but just knowing and being confident because I know that I trusted my life and my heart with Jesus, who's the author and who's the finisher of my faith. As the scripture said, he's the alpha and the omega, right? The beginning and the end. And he is the one who leads my life. He's the one who leads my way. And even though that I fall short day in and day out, my hope is not found in me, in my ability to be able to be good, in my ability to be able to keep the quote unquote rules in my ability to do all the things that somebody thinks that I need to do, right? What's going to determine whether or not that I or you are going to be in the presence of the father is what we have done with Jesus. Have we surrendered our life to him? And if you have got good news for you, your name is written in the book of life. When you surrender your life to Jesus, your name is written down and you have made reservations to be in a real, literal place that absolutely blows our mind. So my question to you today, in conclusion, is what, have you, what are you currently doing with Jesus during this dash that you have, during this life that you have? That's an important question. The question that he asked his disciples, who do you say I am? That's still an important question for you and I today. If you don't know Jesus, listen, I beg you, I plead with you, I compel you, give your life to Jesus. Well, how do I do that? Well, I believe it's by just praying. You say, what do you mean by praying? Like, I believe that when you pray, like you're talking to God. And I believe that our God is big enough. I believe that our God is able, that when we pray and when we genuinely humble ourselves before him, he hears our cry. Right. We understand that we can't work our way to God. We can't be good enough uh, to God. We understand that we've all sinned, fall short of the glory of God. And when we pray and we humble ourselves and we genuinely say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. Be the Lord of my life. Lord, I know I haven't earned it. I haven't done anything to deserve it. I understand it's a free gift. But God, I desperately need you. Forgive me. The scripture says that when we confess of our sin, he's faithful to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And when you pray to God, right, when you talk to a real God, it's not repeat after me. It's not a check your box kind of thing. It's not like, hey, I got dunked. I do that because I've given my life to the Lord and I want people to know that I'm a follower of Jesus. That's what baptism is all about. It's not so that I can be saved. It's because I am saved and I want everybody to know that Jesus is my King, that he is my Lord. But when you pray to God and when you humble yourself to God, there is a real God in heaven who hears you and he redeems you and he restores you. You say, well, Robert, how do you really know that? Because he did it in my own heart, in my own life. I can't explain how he did it, but I know that he did it. I know that he changed my heart and he changed my life. I know that even still there are days that I fall flat on my face and that I fall short and that I don't measure up. But the great thing about the gospel is, is God never meant for me to, right? The law was given to show me that in you, that we couldn't measure up, that we couldn't be good enough, that we couldn't keep all the commandments. We couldn't keep all the rules. And that doesn't say we just go do whatever we want to. No, that's not what grace is about. 
But, but because we can't, God made a way to where that we could be right and reconciled to Him. And He invites you to come. He invites you to be part of the family so that you can say, in my Father's house, there are many mansions. It's by knowing and having a personal relationship with Jesus. And there's coming a day to where that I will stand and you will stand. All will stand. And the only thing that matters is what have we done with Jesus? Who is he in your life? And if he's not Lord, then man, I invite you. I encourage you. I compel you. Make him Lord today. Make him Lord. It'll be something you never regret. God has way more than you could ever think or even imagine. Whatever your plans are, God's plans are way better. Way better. Trust him. Let's pray right now.